Otra, again, yo, you know what, David, you want to fuck with me, right? Do it. Do what? The the, I'm Indio from the Bronx. You're I'm living in Manhattan right now. I live in a building. Podcast. I was set up, bro. Right. I live in a building that is infected with crackheads, dolphins, and all about. Even pill head. It's true. I've been there. And this Davis right here used to be one of my old customers. And right now, his is is life is straight, and I hope he stays that way. Dopey Nation. Stay Ooh, strong. Stay strong. Dopey. Deuce. Toodles. 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 This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our friends at Aloe Recovery, located in sunny Southern California out in Silver Lake and Malibu. Aloe is a facility that really takes care of its clients because it cares about them. It offers them respect. Their motto is connection, not control. Aloe was created by our good friend Bob Forrest and his friend Evan and their friend Bob, and they basically exist uh, to really take care of addicts. They treat co-occurring mental disorders, including SMI. They have incredible amenities, including sound bath meditations, which I'm really looking forward to trying if I ever go back to rehab. Horseback riding, fucking surfing, sweat lodges, and you should not go to Aloe on a vacation. You should go there if you want to get better. If you're fucked and you're willing to go to California to get better, there's no place better to go than Aloe Recovery. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our friends at Just Coffee Co-op. Just Coffee Co-op makes delicious coffee. I had two glasses of iced Just Coffee coffee today while recording the show. We were at my dad's. I made them in the drip. We had uh, the Mayan super dark roast, but I'm looking at a beautiful bag of a light roast called the Humdinger with notes of citrus, tangerine, and honey. A single origin from Sidema, Ethiopia. I mean, the packaging is enough for me to think I'm drinking the best coffee in the world until I have a taste. Taste of just coffee coffee is just fucking great. So that's justcoffee.coop. You put in the Dopey Pod code to save a little bit of money. They do coffee right. It's beautiful. It's worth the money. And harass them uh, to make the Dopey Blend with dark chocolate. And a Dominican coffee does sound appropriate. So that's justcoffee.coop. The coffee's as good as I'm saying. I wouldn't just say it. It's fucking good coffee. This episode is also brought to you by you guys, the Dopey Nation. Whoever contributes to the Dopey Podcast Patreon page, thank you. If you want to help out with the show and you want to throw some money, you go to www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. You certainly don't have to give if you want to. It's great. I totally hate asking for your money, but I do love to get it. Dopey Podcast. And without further ado, here's the show. Alright, 
and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And I'm Dave, and it's a very exciting day. We've got uh, another Dopey in the Family episode, and Linda's here. You want to say hi? Hello. And my dad is here. Yeah, hi, everybody. He won't be here long. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, he's and gonna... we have a guest from England, a reporter and producer. What would you say you are? A reporter or a producer? Yeah, a, just a journalist. Comes a, everything. A journalist from the British Broadcasting Company, the BBC, and it's Vicky Baker. Welcome, welcome to the show. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And, and Vicki Baker was uh, thinking that Dopey is really something special, and she wanted to write a piece about it, which I think is great. So um, here you are. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to actually be on the podcast, though. <laughs> well, how could we have you in the room if you weren't on the podcast? <laughs> what were you going to do, just act like you weren't here? I was here? just going to be a silent witness a in, the, in, the, yeah, yeah. in the background. It wouldn't have been as good. So Vicki, <laughs> tell us why you've decided to introduce Dopey to the, the British press, the world. Wow. Well, um, I just love the story um, of how you guys got started, and um, I think you've got something really interesting here. Um, Did you say it's the greatest podcast you've ever listened to? <laughs> of course. <laughs> and you discovered Dopey because of This American Life, correct? That's right. I um, I listened to that episode, and those of your listeners who've listened to it as well will remember that there was a, another segment about um, a Syrian radio station. Yeah, I didn't listen to that. I didn't listen to that. <laughs> well, I knew someone who, who worked for that station, mm-hmm. so I was like, her, kind of pulled in because of that at first and then there was the other story yeah. your story that went with it that left a mark and um i don't see you ca- i don't see you in syria right now i see you in my dad's kitchen <laughs> so obviously dopey was the more interesting story it's safer here now do you think you're capable of making a piece more comprehensive than, than dana chivis oh American gosh Life? i would never try and challenge that i'm a big fan of that show no right now. i'm sure i'm sure you're going to do a great job and we're very excited to have you and it's very rare that we have three mics set up for Dopey. I have a, actually I have a fourth mic that I bought with the Patreon money, but I'm too stupid to figure out how to set it up. So there we are. <laughs> now, before we get underway with the show, um, Vicky, I, Vicky wanted to interview uh, my dad and Linda a little bit, so we're going to turn the show over to them and, and go for it. What do you guys think? Vicky, you're going to ask us questions. Vicky's going to ask questions. Uh, but by the way, you know, David, you're going to have to control your uh, blasphemy on this show. This is BBC, you know. Cursing is not blasphemy. <laughs> well, okay, then you're going to have to control your cursing. <laughs> well, Vicky can bleep. She's just got a studio. <laughs> okay. Um, so yesterday, yeah, yesterday, Dave came to our studios. Um, beautiful. <laughs> World, World Financial Center, very classic spot. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh. Good views. Um, and we, we did the backstory, so um, which was great, and all your listeners will be very familiar with. Mm-hmm. So I guess today I'd kind of like to find out a little bit more from you guys about Dave. Oh. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it looks very uncomfortable right now. Just so the, David was worried about everybody being nervous, but he's the one who's yeah. the most nervous <laughs> sitting here. I just want, I just want this to go well. I just want this to go well. Tell them how great I am. Uh, uh, well, we're going to tell the truth. Uh, obviously. You didn't ask a question. No, she asked. She did. I mean, it's as simple as that. Tell me, yeah, tell me about it. Tell, tell me about oh, that. That's a question. Let's be brief. Yeah. 
Well, he was a sweet young boy for sure. He was a, uh, an absolute wonderful, wonderful kid. Uh, was a wonderful kid. He, he was a, a wonderful young boy and young. Okay. And uh, when, when did it go bad? Uh, Sensitive, right? He was very sensitive. No, yeah, he, it was, he was wonderful. He was a good kid. Uh, I mean, there was a little bit of trauma at his birth. Really? Oh, yeah. That probably explains why he became a heroin addict. I don't think so. Well, maybe David's not even going to know which one of trauma I'm talking about. Lots of is that traumas. when he fell off the changing table? I, well, that was the second trauma. The first oh. trauma was his bris, was the circumcision. Oh, yes. He had a, at eight days of age, he had a terrible staph infection, and he was in the hospital. Because of a faulty moil, which is a very embarrassing story. Which is the, uh, the religious person who does the, the circumcision. And uh, well, it never it never was decided what, whose fault it was. But, but I blame you, by the way. <laughs> of course, you blame me. Actually, and Mom, uh, Davy's mother, uh, never ever went to a circumcision from that day on. Never. She refused. She refused to go. But I got um, very sick. And unbearably a sick. A layer of skin peeled off my whole body, and I had stitches all over my body because of it. They had to put, um, yeah. He has he has when they for the IV for the uh, antibiotics. He was a little baby, so he was moving forward. So they put uh, IV in his leg and lower down in the ankle and on his neck. And there's still you see that. And then of, and then which could be a, a cause for later problems when he was I don't know. When you <laughs> fell off the changing table. Yes. In your head? Yes. Yes. That, that was the second traumatic. That was and I I blame. Not to mention bad parenting for the next 17 years. <laughs> that, that couldn't have helped. Listen, the fact, the, and maybe Linda's going to talk about this later, about this, uh, the topic of, um, of addiction. Listen, along, but believe me, his mother and father had nothing to do with his addiction. That, that's, that's not the, the that's, truth. That's the party line. <laughs> that's my line, which is probably closer to the truth than, than his line. In you terms of become a heroin addict, right? Oh, you did. And living here in this apartment for my whole life. I mean, come on. You can't possibly... Listen, I don't think it's your fault, but you couldn't have been a great help because I became a terrible heroin addict as your son. But that... Are you believing your dad I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I've never had a smidge... A finger pointing at my parents. That's right, good. That actually sounded very finger pointing. No, but I just think me. it's silly, you know, when I was when I'm a drug addict, you know, and I was on drugs for so long, for you to say it had nothing to do with you and mom, because it everything it's all interconnected. It's all connected. There's everything's all, connected. to yeah, All right, and you know what? And it could be genetic also. Where's the genetics? The genetics of, of being uh, well, compulsive with something? Well, who or? in the family was ever compulsive or addicted? Nobody. Or nobody. <laughs> nobody. Oh. You can tell the Zydie alcoholism story. Oh, that's my grandfather. You don't remember that story? Well, he, 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 he was... But there's a lot of funny stories, but you want to make it brief. You want this to be brief. Tell the Zydie alcoholic story. We would, he was supposed to, my grandmother and, and my grandfather were going up to the Catskill Mountains, which a British audience won't know this, for Passover. Maybe some will. For Passover. And he, they go up for Passover and they, uh, they unpack everything. And he forgot his shoes. He forgot the shoes for the Seder. And, but then he takes out the bottle of, of whiskey. And my grandmother said, Billy, you remember the whiskey, but you forgot your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> that's very, that's very telling. 
anyway, and the next day I had to drive up from from Queens to bring my grandfather his pair of shoes. You used to do the imitation much better. <laughs> yeah, well, Billy, you forget the whiskey, but you remember your shoes. Right. Yeah. Yes. I didn't want to overdo it. I figured you should do that. And the other thing was, he's like 85, 88 years old, and the doctor says, you know, Billy, you're really drinking too much. And, and my grandfather said, okay. And then he stopped drinking. And that was right. that was right. that was it. You know, he lived to be 99. Good innings. Yeah. yeah. So, but, all right. Anyway, so and when and David is is when he was here, we had no idea of any anything uh, amiss. And and he went to college, and he went had his own apartment. And, and Nancy and I, we we had no idea that there was any problems whatsoever. And the phone call that we got from David saying saying that he was a heroin addict it was totally out of the blue. Which, I mean, which, which, you know, which I think that you should have been more aware of what was going on. Again, that's guess who we guess guess who we blame. You see, that's why I'm on the show I'm every not, eight weeks I'm to, to come back. Listen, I, I want to make this clear to everybody. I, I do not blame anybody for my addiction, but I was totally fucked by the by the time that I called them. I was in a detox at Beth Israel. And by and at that point, I had been using heroin for two years, uh, and, and like and you guys, they, they sh I, I'm in my fucking hospital scrubs, fucked up every which way, and my parents come in from the theater. My mom's wearing like a, a silk scarf around her neck, smelling like Chanel Number no. Five, and my dad's in a suit, and like and I'm like on this free detox ward. It was like it was pretty terrible. It was a pretty nightmarish situation. Now, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying. Something is amiss because I was on drugs every day for two years, and I lived three blocks away, and I was here often, and you guys had no idea what was going on. Do you think, though, that the signs, if you hadn't come across them before, are, are hard to spot? That's a good point. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, it was, we're in the... In the well, he, especially with heroin, because I know personally from living with a heroin addict, but I wasn't very familiar with her what, what heroin looks like. Um... That's that's a, that's an excellent point, and people can say, "Oh, they're tired." They're, you know, there's things you can say, and you how? Well, I mean, you were also of an age where you know you could have been. I think also. I mean, but also like I was, I was literally, excuse me, I was literally stoned every day for five in their, years. In their face, or yeah. were you living in an apartment Con down the street? Every minute of my life from 19 to you know 41, basically, I was stoned out of my mind. And, and I, again, I'm not saying this like it was your fault. It was your choice to do those drugs. Of course. They I'm weren't just injecting it, you with heroin. It's far out to me. I, mean, you, I think it's you, more did, about my parents' naivete than anything else. Well, but, I, I, I mean, I'm listening, I'm listening to what you're saying, and I'm telling you, we had no clue. Well, I also think I was in, considering the kind of life I had. I had a, a, a very successful job. I, I was I was making enough money to pay. I wasn't coming to you for money at that point. I don't think that was. See, I, I mentioned this on one of the episodes. One of the only clues I ever had was when I knew that David was working on this television show and he was making more money than me and his mother put together. I said, "Do you want, do you know how to save money? Do you know how to invest? <laughs> do you know how to do you do, uh, do you need any help and, and advice about of how to put away some of this money?" And he said, "No, no, no." And I said, "No, to I my, don't need help." Or no, I no. No, he didn't. Well, I didn't know. The, him. the, the, the gist of it was no. He didn't even admit that of course. But what you did say was, no, I don't need any of your help. And I said to myself, this is something, this doesn't, there's something, up. There's something yeah. doesn't make sense That was sense a red here. flag for you. 
Yeah. But then showing, but, but then not really a little bit. You were like, what the fuck is David doing? You know? And then whatever. And I do not, I do not blame my parents for my addiction. Right. I just, there's nothing wrong with trying to kind of, you know, weed it out and, and, and talk about it, you know? And I know it probably feels, feels uncomfortable to talk about, but it's helpful. I think for other, for people who are listening to the podcast to hear that there's impacts being made possibly by parents or by spouses that they might not even realize could be contributing or leading to to use. You know, and another thing that's interesting, there was a meme on Dopey Nation that said uh, the number one gateway drug to, um, the, num- the number one gateway drug is trauma. Wow. And I thought that was so powerful. But another thing that's very interesting that I've read is that everybody has a different level of what can be traumatic, right? So, like, mm-hmm. what might be traumatic for me, you might be like, whatever, and wake up the next day and, like, go about your day. But for me, it had a traumatic Im- impact. So I think also because you were such a son, I know just from hearing from your parents and knowing you and your sister, you were a very sensitive boy, and you might have needed a different level of TLC that maybe, you know, not everybody knows necessarily. So, or, or there may have been something happened to you that was he, traumatic. He, that wasn't necessarily like some crazy no, red I think, flag. I, I think that may be I incorrect. think I was getting a very low level of TLC. No, I think what, what I think David was a con artist as, as a young boy. Oh. All addicts are. I mean, that's yeah. one of the greatest hallmarks for addicts. Yeah, but are you, you're not born a manipulative con artist. I think I might, I might have been. <laughs> Oh, no, no, I, I think, I think uh, that goes with the territory. But, like, who is the fool? The fool or the fool who is fooled by the fool? Like, if you knew that I was a con artist, why, why did you let me con you? No, I, I, I didn't know you were conning me at the end because I never even asked for you ever if you were ever on drugs. No, but I, like, never, remember, I never even... I remember the... Um, the English teacher. No, it was social studies. A social studies. Was, no, I thought it was the English... No, it was Mrs. Eichler. So, she, so he, we go to open school night and Nancy and I ask him, so how is he doing? And and, and David, David says, David thinks he's playing me like a fiddle, but... He isn't. <laughs> and then she came home and I said, I'm playing her like a fiddle. And then it all came out kind of thing. Any other, yeah. questions? Any other <laughs> questions, Vicky? Let's move through this thing. So, Alan, when you did find out that Dave was using heroin, what was your reaction? Cause it, um, what was your reaction to that particular word? Well, just to show you how naive Nancy and I are, we go to that place where he was, Stuyvesant, um, Stuyvesant Square at Beth Israel. Yeah, which was pretty close to where... real dump. Where I went to school and where I was born, right near there. Uh, and uh, and we walk in there, and the guy says, you know, your son is addicted to heroin. And I said, well, he'll be all right next week, won't he? And, and the guy looked at me like I was, uh, like, naive. <laughs> and I don't know how many years later. But see, the other question is, is that if you don't blame anybody for why you're uh, an addict... Who gets the credit if you become sober? And it got to be the same person. It's the not, same person. Mm-hmm. It's, David. Not, it's, it's It's totally, it's irrelevant. I mean, like, no, obviously, point, obviously, it's nobody, it's like, it's my, if it, is it my fault I got addicted? I guess so. You know, I, I really like right. doing drugs. You know, it's like, but if, it's like, if you, I, I think it was my fault. I think there's a lot of, a lot of ways to look at it. I think it's irrelevant. 
whose fault it was. And I think it's irrelevant how whose fault it is that I got better. Right. I don't think that's what it's about. And I don't think the word fault is, is good. I remember saying to David, you know, that when he would do something where he would get in trouble for it, his friends would do exactly the same thing and there would be no ramifications. And his friends may have taken almost the same types of drugs that David did, but suffered no consequences from it. So it has nothing to do with fault. It has to do with this idea of a disease, of some kind of a addiction, addictive personality or addictive disease or something. I don't, I don't subscribe to, to that. I, I just think, I don't think it matters. You know, I honestly, I always, whenever we talk about this stuff, I don't think that that's the thing. Like, I certainly don't see it as a disease. I see it more as an illness. I don't, oh, so I mean, I don't want to get mean? into the... Well, someone made an interesting point on the page because we were chatting about it today, is that, and I, this woman made a really interesting point. Was it Colleen MC? No. I love her, though. She actually sent a very interesting thing about, uh, instead of codependence, she sent me this article about a new type of treatment called prodependence. And it was very interesting, but it's a whole other thing. But what one woman said was, and I thought it was a really good point, she goes, she believes that it doesn't matter if your parents are tough love or if your parents are, like, like vicious enablers. She, she believes that it, none of that matters. And that the addict is going to do what they want to do. Yeah, and that the addict's going to exactly. get better when they get better. Oh, so she yeah. oh, and she was really cool about it. She sent me a private message, and she was That's like, what I think. "She's like, I kind of, I can't remember. I actually want to read her thing at some point." But I thought that was such. So, and, and I totally a lot agree. Of, with a lot of people will disagree. I agree. With her. I agree with that hundred percent. But she really and and she and what what she said, which actually ties into what you just says, is she said that. And then when the addict gets better, it's because they got better, Absolutely. and not because of somebody else. Uh, tough love parent and enabling parents re- because they chose but remember that story where, well. where the guy gives advice of not to help their their son and and, and, and the, boy, the boy dies and uh, I think I think what Linda said is a hundred percent is what I believe I think uh you don't like people ask how I got. I, I mean, that's why in twelve step they talk about a, a miracle happens. You know that that you get better. Like why? Why all of this? I mean, I know I got better because I finally wanted to stop using. You know, and before I I wanted to stop using, I didn't want to stop using, so I didn't stop using. And I'm sure a ton of people can relate to that. Like. Well, one woman said her parents were so in her face about getting well that she was like, well, fuck you. I'm not getting well because you're telling me to. Mm-hmm. So then that goes that direction. Then you have the... Pe- what? Because I said that. Bleep. Word. Just oh, bleep. bleep. No, please. Just talk. Well, that's what she said. Um... Yeah, just so you know, Vicky, Vicky doesn't want cursing on her BBC. <laughs> you should have told me that. No, but I, I don't did. care about the fucking thing. <laughs> I hope oh, oh, bleep, bleep. Show, no okay. rules here. Well, no, I will man. respect. I, I don't need to curse. I didn't say no swearing on your own podcast. Of course not. He's just, he's, no, but I'd like, he's I'm such a for rule follower. Well, I am terrible. <laughs> you are not. <laughs> you are not. Okay, Vicky, you got any more just, questions? We got to get my dad out of here. Let's move this thing along. Um... Yeah, how did you? How so? Now I understand that you do have parents and relatives of um, um, addicts and former addicts. Wait, time time out. That's listening to the show. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, there are parents and addicts and former addicts listening. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But when you first found out about Dave's problem, how did you kind of educate yourself and 
find out about this whole new world that you were supposed uh, Well, when we found out, that started the whole process of rehabs and outpatient and inpatient, and, and, and it was years, years of this, and... and Many, many years. Many, many years. Like Fifteen um, years. I mean, it was, it was, it was a horror. It was, it was just, uh, it was a horror. It was, it was. Uh, we had to go to um, a group for help. Families Anonymous. And tell them how helpful Families Anonymous. It was very helpful. I mean, when um, you know, you sit around with uh, with parents and siblings uh, who have the same problems, worse problems, horrible problems, uh, and and the only way you can do it's a twelve step program. Yeah, but uh, it well, was. It's the idea is it's a twelve like step. Al-Anon? It's a twelve step program designed uh, for codependency within families, where families mm-hmm. can be quote unquote addicted to the children. And my mother, I mean, that's. I mean, you have a twelve step. There's a twelve steps to Families Anonymous. You, mom, right. and you and mom showed it to me. It may be true, but I don't. It's not addict. It's to be able to live your own life and have a have a decent life, even though you're so worried and so upset about about your. Well, I think you were way more like my mom was ready to be like, "All right, we're done with that chapter. Let's go square dance." And you were you were very. See, that's another funny thing. He thinks he thinks that the way we solve the problem is by going square dancing. They joined a weird gay square dancing (laughs) group called the Times Squares. That's where they did, and they became like they wore jean jackets. And went dozy doing around. Uh, Tell me it's not true. It's but what's wrong with them having a coping mechanism to help gay deal with square to dancing? Help, is to, help, to help deal with the stress that you were bringing to their marriage. Listen, I think it's just funny that they were in a gay square yeah. dancing group, which had not that funny. Excellent. You eat brookies. I think that's funny. <laughs> the, the point of the matter is, is that the, the Nancy loved the square dance, and it was the only square dance group right. in town. And then I got she to enjoy it. it. It was it was really a lot of fun. It had nothing to do with with What's his name's addiction? Uh, nothing at all to do with it. It happened because we were up in Vermont and, and our friends said, What do you call it? Mike and Jane said, Go square dancing. And then we had to find a place in Manhattan. So we go to this place in Manhattan and it turns out to be gay and lesbian square dance group. And, and we were, Nancy was a big hit. She was, she was a big star there. The funny thing to me is that in my memory, it was like, the gay square dancing was attached to Families Anonymous. No. Like at the end of every meeting, it was like, let's go to the hoedown. You know, like that's how I saw it's Total nonsense. They, they, David is making everything up I'm here. I'm just saying that was my perception. But yeah. it sounded like, sounds like Family Anonymous wasn't so much like dealing with the codependency it's as, the, as helping, the, the, more the, so helping of the, the families heal. <laughs> And cope. I mean, listen, uh, they wouldn't let me visit David in that first rehab in Florida unless I went to Families Anonymous because I was so upset and so so, wrapped so, up and so anxious. And, and uh, you know, I was crying and well, all sorts also, of things. It was really bad. It was like before I went to that treatment, I, um, I wouldn't go without getting drugs. So I made my dad give me money oh. to go get heroin. And then I had a plan that I needed more money. So I started, and I owed some money around the building. So I had my dad giving me money to pay my neighbors back in the building. And I owed like, 
three different people 20 bucks, but I, I was trying to be cagey, so I told my dad that I owed them all 60 bucks. So, like, I remember... You're manipulating him. Well, yeah, I was lying and stealing. So oh, I was I taking know. the money, and I, I remember I would put it in the cuff of my jeans, and I paid the guy... But I also paid the neighbors back because I didn't want to owe the neighbors money. So I paid the neighbors back. I took extra money. Then I took the other money that you gave me to get drugs before I went, and I went to Brooklyn, and I got a ton of heroin. And then I got ridiculously high. I stayed up all night. You came over to get me in the morning, and I was total mess. Yeah, and this is, it was before 9-11, so we no, brought... No, it was after 9-11. It was after 9-11, because I was remember 9-11, like the back of my hand. Oh, yeah, was here. maybe you're right. Anyway, Nancy and I, we waited at the airport thinking that they would throw them off the plane. but They should have. But They uh, wanted to, and I was just like, let me just... Because I was, like, nodding out in a mess on the plane, yeah. and I was like, just take... Let me we go to rehab. We just get there. Yeah, yeah. And, and we had brunch here for three couples, our dear friends, and uh, during the brunch, I got the phone call from Florida saying that you were there and you were okay there. That's million years ago. What was the lowest point for you? Cleaning out his apartment, picking him up that morning. His apartment was, he had graffiti written all over the board, help me, I need help. And uh, and of course, it's fish, <laughs> fish that I had to save. He had a fish tank. You know, well, that's, I mean, the, so what happened? You He was he he went to rehab, and then you went in to clean out the apartment. And I, I got stuck by one of his needles. Horrible. You could just tell that he was not, couldn't care for himself at all. No. Well, the apartment was a total wreck. I had, I had destroyed a couch and taken another couch in, and the couch I took in like stunk of urine. It was. Do you disgusting. remember writing "Please help me" on the no, walls? I don't remember that. That's that's, that's scary. Um, yeah, that's powerful. And, and I had a, a 55 gallon fish tank that was half full of water, and one fish had eaten all the other fish. And it was the only fish left. Well, in the, it, was a, uh, it was a pleco. Pleco. And I poured it to the fish to the pet store, and they took it. They well, I bought it. It was two inches long. When my dad took it, it was like 12 <laughs> inches long. It had eaten every fish in the tank. And I remember I would sleep in the loft bed, afraid that it would come out of the bed and attack me. They come out of the tank. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. It would come out of the fish tank and, and, and eat me because I was on drugs and scared. Losing it. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's, drink, let's move through so, this thing. So you're, you're looking at that scene and you're thinking, where did you think it was going to go from from there? I had no idea. I, I don't know. Listen, it's a miracle that uh, he's back. He's back. I mean, he's I mean, he's a pain in the neck, but he's he's my dear dear son. I mean, uh, he's he's he loves. I mean, he is incredibly wonderful person, and I mean, very outgoing. He has a big mouth. I mean, he talks to everybody. Uh, he's incredibly outgoing, and uh, and this dopey nation thing is amazing. You, uh, Vicky, you should see some of the, some of the emails, the the letters that you know they yeah. put on. What, how do you say it? iPad reviews, uh, iPhone reviews. I can't. You this, look at this shit all fucking day. And you don't have any idea of what you're By the way, you're still stuck at 422. How come nobody's writing any uh, email reviews? 422. Uh, the uh, iPhone reviews. I'm stuck at 422 for the not, last week. It's not at 422. It's the, not even... It's a thousand... No, no, no. You remember what I'm saying. The written ones. Yeah. Not... not. He's gone up to a thousand and... All right, seven. Dopey Nation. My dad is it's, upset yeah. that there aren't enough written reviews. I'm going to see right now because yeah, I don't think he's right. There's a thousand one hundred and eleven... Um, 
uh, uh, reviews and but 422. Exactly. It's been 422 for almost two weeks. So what's going on, you guys? Yeah, what's going on? I haven't been asking you're for what, reviews. You, you're constantly monitoring He's my oh, you can, Wait a minute. We have this contest. We have this contest where he's going to have two million downloads. Yeah. And I, I predict think I know it's we. We have this contest, but continue. It was my idea for the Pete's contest sakes. was was your idea. The contest was my idea. All right, continue. You know, there's a prize, which uh, which I predicted two months ago that it was going to be June fifteenth. It's actually going to be around June eighteenth. I'm did really you have a close. Prediction? What for what? When we hit two million downloads. Like what day? Yeah, I don't. Vicky, any prediction? The, I say it's going to be Wednesday at one o'clock. So that's June nineteenth. This coming Wednesday. Yeah. Dopey Nation, please make a prediction. Please write a review for my dad, um, but don't mention him, please. And um, and I and send in a prediction about the two millionth download, and let me know if this segment with this BBC reporter is too boring for you guys. I'm trying to bring some dopey to this thing. I, I apologize. Any more questions, Vicky? Um, give any, me- questions, any questions for Linda? Yeah, we haven't even started on questions for Linda oh, yet. Let's be done with my dad. No, please. I love listening to uh-huh. Thank goodness there's somebody around here. It's very relaxing. It's, it's Vicky. Just and calm. Vic- I know. I feel, I'm like I'm like in a trance listening. He's lulling you guys to sleep. I, I, no, I, you know, I'm used to his abuse, so I I can handle it. <laughs> and I can forgive you for nearly making me a cup of tea in the microwave. That's pathetic. He goes. He should, so yeah. Nikki comes in. Nikki or Vicky, Vicky. Vicky. He comes in. My dad used to date this woman named Nikki. He goes. You don't happen to know Nikki. She lives in London too. And he's like. She's like. That's no. not true. And he, she's, he's like. Oh yes. And, and then he shows a picture. He's like. Are you sure this is her? Again. Isn't it amazing how he's <laughs> he I asked about another young woman who works at BBC. Obviously, I know she doesn't. I, oh, I asked if you heard of her. There's an Amelia. If you're an Amelia right. from the BBC. No, he said. Do you know? No, no. If you heard, if you heard of the charity, very embarrassing. If you heard of the charity, he's starting to lose it. Just saying. Now ask, please ask Linda some questions. We're, we're not. We're, we're done with him. Is there anything else you need to know from him? Well, we can. Are you, you going to go? Are you going to stay oh, with I'm us? I'm not going to listen to him. Yeah, go ahead. Talk to Linda. Okay, Linda. Yes. Tell me um, about how you met Dave. How I met Dave. Um, well, I met Dave in that apartment that Alan yes. spoke about. So no, I, actually. Yes, she did. Yeah. I, I So our friend Todd, who we've spoken about on the show, who I think the anniversary of his death, I think, is today. The anniversary of Todd's today death is, is today or tomorrow. It's today or tomorrow. Um, mm. So that friend um, and I and then my, my best friend, um, we went to hang out with Dave in that apartment and um, which is really interesting and uh, so we just went and hung out one night and um, and I remember I I don't remember it being like that it was Alan. very romantic I don't remember it looking like that and I, I don't it really, wasn't that bad right, like, I don't it was years before but kind of like what you said earlier Vicky is that you know you were using at that point and I you know maybe I thought he just you know had smoked some weed because we were all drinking and what have you but I didn't realize that he was you know a heroin addict I don't, he, was I, I yes, don't think I was yes, a heroin addict yeah. yes you were had, had you come across in your life other users drug users well, she was a drug user well I, I I you know I definitely enjoyed my own usage of things but it never was in that family 
right? So my friends used cocaine sometimes. We drank, we'd smoke weed, but it never like went into the opiate world. So when Dave and I got together, I I, remember I mentioned this on the show before. He would have signs of of using, but I didn't understand them. Like his pupils were really small, and I used to always say to him, like, "What's wrong with your eyes? Like your eyes look really weird." And he'd be like, "Oh, I'm just tired. I just worked a double." And I'm like, "All right." You know, or he'd be like sort of falling asleep, like nodding out, falling asleep, where, you know, didn't look like you're normal falling asleep. And he'd be like, I'm just really tired. And a lot of times it was just, I'm really tired, a lot of mood swings. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't really, like you said, I didn't really know what to look for. And I think that's probably the case for a lot of people where they have a partner who's using a substance they're not familiar with. And, um, so yeah, so we met we met for the first time that night and then we met what what was it like 10 years later right after his mom had passed away. I think it was 13 years 13 later. 13 years later right after his mom passed away. I was also with the friend Todd again cuz they were best friends and uh, we met and then we immediately started dating. And we went moved into a very fast whirlwind Whirlwind? A whirlwind Whirl- romance. Whirlwind romance. <laughs> I remember. I don't know how romantic it was because he was using heroin and I was in my own weird place, but I remember I remember we we like we we like got together very quickly and then I remember I was at Katz's and I called you up and I was like talking to you and I said, I think you're gonna be my girlfriend now. Do you remember that? He moved very fast. <laughs> Yes. Like, he would come over, and I remember saying to him once, like, you know you're going to still, like, go home when we're done hanging out, right? Like, and he, like, wasn't leaving, and I'm like, uh-oh. Like, he became very attached very fast. Well, I just figured, like, I, I like, Linda was very, very, I, Linda still is very, very beautiful, and I was like... Stop with the was. I, Linda's very beautiful, and I was just like, I'm not going to do better than this. I need to, I need to... Oh, no, that's so, that's so funny. What? That's what I said about mommy. Well, I just, I just had a feeling, you know, that this was as good as it was going to get so I better make, better make yeah. it work as he's and, on like every drug and you, like, you almost what about blew me? it <laughs> yeah, you, you almost blew it but I did but I I did blow it I, I lost the whole thing but I did there despite well, his yeah. using and whatever he was going through I was also going through my own stuff and I was partying and I was so I wasn't miss you know squeaky clean and there was something about him that I fell for like the real that's here now you know like I saw that maybe it's because like it's like the therapist in me I'm very skilled at sort of finding that thing in people Mm -hmm. no matter what I do believe that and I was able to still see this person that you know was there and we okay so dated for six months and then I got pregnant and that's kind of how everything played out um, and then we broke up for with like our four daughter, years. With our daughter, Nora. And then that kind of changed everything. Because by that time, he was in a full-fledged kind of habit. And um, and then once you become pregnant and you're kind of like on your way to being a mom, your whole, all your priorities shift and you start to become very perceptive of what's going on. And um, so that's kind of like how things played out. And when, when we were down that... Um uh, the restaurant where you work earlier, Dave, um, talking to some of your colleagues, it was Fanny um, who works there who was mm-hmm. saying that she thinks that it was the, the children that made a difference in your life and turned things around. The, the truth is, it was, it was, it was the children. It was, it was Nora, but it wasn't Nora. What it was was, um, I was, you know, on heroin and pills and pot 
and um, and Linda had left with Nora when Nora was a baby, and um, that was devastating to me. But the thing that was really scary was that after that had happened, uh, the custody terms was that my father had to drive me uh, out to to supervise the visits, and I just felt so pathetic doing that with him and it it really bothered me like I was like this here I am I'm, I'm 36 years old and and yeah my life has been one fucked up episode after the next but this is as bad as it can be like and in in in, in in rehab, you know, I mean, you sit in these classes and they talk about like being in a dependent state, uh, a codependent state, or an interdependent state. And I was in this total dependent state of I was this child. You know, my father had to drive me to see my child. Um, my father had to take us out. Uh, my father had to drive me home. And I was like, I can't be this person. I, I can't have this relationship with my kid. And it was, you know, that's why I say it wasn't for Nora. It was for me because I couldn't live with it. But I also know for me, because like I mentioned, like I'm a therapist, I think I definitely have a, definitely have some codependency issues. And um, there's this part of me that wants to help and save people and partners. And so I'm sure that was part of the attraction that that was that there was that peace but once I became pregnant and had a child I was like screw you and your issues I'm out of here we have a child Mm -hmm. so that also enabled me to say like bye-bye which I did the minute I saw him shooting up drugs you know I, I I didn't realize what he was doing I knew something was off when we were in our apartment but there was that defining moment where I walked in on him and saw him using and I literally called my father and I said come get me we're leaving and the relationship ended mm-hmm. and um, like that like that and and I'm I'm proud of myself we're spending a lot of time talking about the addict and yay you got clean but you have to I also remember be pr- much yay stuff. you have to also be proud of the people who listen to the podcast who were able to have their own bottom line and say now I'm going to take care of myself yeah. and my child mm-hmm. and say gotta go mm-hmm. because that's very hard too mm-hmm. you know yeah, well, that's an addiction uh, there's a lot of addiction in itself that, you know? I, re- I remember and that, that day very well I, I visited you that day and mm-hmm. I held I held baby Nora in my arms and that night, that night I got a phone call from you saying you threw David out yeah because he was well, she said you have to come get him because my father is coming and is yeah. going to break yeah. his legs by the way you know <laughs> we, we, we went out to dinner the other night uh, we were going to this restaurant that me, Nora, and David always went to uh, alone. And, and Nora was sitting in the back of the car, and she, and she said, yeah, you know, the grandpa and I and my father always went to this restaurant. And, and Nora said, that was, that was when my daddy was sick. He wasn't, he wasn't around the house that much. She well, actually said that. Well, that's that's a, our daughter is starting to ask questions. Yeah. So it's become this new challenge for us of like how to but explain. But, that's the, that, but she said it very sweetly. I mean, it was, yeah. she you know to her friend. It was very very nice. Interesting. So, have yeah. you thought about that? Like the, yeah, the future of it. Well, this yeah. it's a very it's very scary territory. Yeah, yeah this anonymous businesses. Is, is what, do you, what do you mean, the future of what? Of telling more. Well, that's a whole that's a piece of the show that we're going to save until after you go. <laughs> <laughs> is there any is there any other questions you have here? It's okay. Um, 
Um, <laughs> how, yeah, how do you guys feel about just sharing, sharing all these stories? Well, I'm, I'm used to it now, but I think what I have learned is that it's doing so much good. I mean, I have never seen such wonderful letters and emails and this, I mean, all this modern stuff, this Twitter and mm -hmm. Reddit and, and this, and, and there's a dopey nation thing. Which I I don't I I, I, kept, I kept ignoring it and then I ignored it and then I, I, I you you have to be accepted to it I think I mean I'm surprised they accept yeah why do they accept me it's a Facebook group it's a, oh, it's with, but, but but they, they uh, it's amazing you should read that it's some of the it's, it's incredible it's very and they're called the Dopey Nation and anyway it's, it's incredible I mean you know two million downloads and it's all around the world and it's it's he's doing a lot of good well, the I feel great thing is that it, it's cool that people get something out of it but to me the coolest thing is that Chris and I started it as a joke you know to have a good time you know it was never meant to do any good it was never so meant be so serious yeah it was never meant to do any of this stuff it was meant to be fun and it was fun and it still is fun but it was meant it was like an excuse for me and Chris to hang out and tell stupid drug stories you know which is why like in a way, like that's why I keep inserting drugs into every one of these stories because I feel like the Dopey Nation deserves a little dopey in the show. Yeah. You know, no matter what. It's Which, okay. You'll have a dopey episode. I don't know. People have been so. saying the show has not been dopey enough. It's pretty dopey to me. It's way too dopey to me. By the way, you know, the, the, the other truth is is that you really always wanted to do this. You really wanted to, to you know, to be a radio, to be out there and interviewing people. I mean, this is something that you, that you, you enjoy and you have a talent for so it's and you use you use the idea of having these wonderful conversations with Chris to, to do it but this whole podcast is like a whole new world kind of thing right. I didn't anticipate it to be like that though and yeah. dad it was really nice having you on the show <laughs> so let's move to the all next right. phase alright he's show. getting rid of me okay and uh, stay okay, strong Lynn. dopey niche <laughs> Lynn you sit over there okay do oh, you have any should other I, questions should I leave you guys to it now I don't know. Do you have any other questions? Um, no, I think we're all good. Um, but Here, thanks. Dads, come back in. Say goodbye to Vicky. And I don't mean to... I, I just want the show to be the show, you know? Um, which, and I'm kind of obnoxious to my dad on the show, so I apologize. <laughs> it's part of the shtick for him to be obnoxious to me, and he never disappoints. So it's good. So, Vicky, you going to go now? Is that... Uh... Yeah, I'm going to leave these guys to continue with the rest of the show. All, as right. Is all right, very planned, nice meeting but, you. But, yeah, lovely to meet you, and thank you for... Having me, I wasn't expecting to be speaking directly to the Dopey <laughs> you Nation. Were great. But, um, Do you have anything you need to say to the Dopey I Nation? I still kept on my, my still kept my fly on the wall type thing. Just listened to you guys, and it was fascinating. Awesome. And Do you have any other stones you need to overturn? <laughs> like, why do American Jews make tea in the microwave? These kinds of questions. <laughs> that I'll just be asking myself that forever, shaking my head. Well, there you go. Thank you for coming, Vicky, and thank, thank you. you for doing this piece. Thank you very much. All right, so I just kind of rudely kicked everybody out of here. Except and, uh, for me. Except for Linda, because Linda doesn't Found come the best. On, Linda's the best, and she doesn't come on the show enough, and... Um, well, she comes on the show as much as she wants to, which is uh, fine. Um, but there's a lot of funny stuff that happens in our life that I always want Linda to talk about. Um, but now we're going to talk about Linda's... F I mean, again, we brought this up earlier. Social work. The, this, this, this is a social this is, work minute? Well, no. This is not the social work minute yet. Um, 
Linda brought it up before with this woman who were very happy that Vicky came in, and we're, I'm thrilled that Vicky is doing a piece on Dopey for the BBC. I live for this kind of stuff. Yeah. I've been excited about it for weeks. And she was great. She was she's awesome, and I, I'm you know I live for the Dopey to get spread. It gets me high. It makes me feel good. It's exciting. Um, but something else that I've been really dealing with is. Um, what Linda brought up, and that's, you know, today or tomorrow. I'm not good with anniversaries and dates, but Todd died last year today right. or tomorrow. This week. And um, and Linda and I, I mean, I love Todd, and um, I feel a ton of pain about it. Yeah. You know, I feel, uh, you know, I, I, it's weird. Like, I ride the Long Island Railroad in the morning, and I listen to music, and I, like, cry, right. you know, on the ride in. You know, and it's weird. I listen to dance hall music and I cry. Mm-hmm. It's like bizarre. I listen to like this weird music and it makes me fucking Why cry. Why does that make you? It reminds me of Todd. Like, did Todd, Todd like dance hall music? Todd loved dance hall music. I listen to this. I could see Todd's listen, face. Listen, in dance I listen to this. Hold on. Yes. This, this, this is what makes me cry, and I don't know why. Hey, so no one take it personal. Who not talk about done? You think me confident? All me have to do is send for the new gun. Anything tested? Just fly off those head. Don't have mercy. Just that kill them at the end. It's like this certain like yeah. braggadociousness in dance hall, and it makes me think of him, and it makes me think of being innocent with him, right. and like it's just fun. It's Pure fun. It's painful, and I think about you know Todd last summer. I remember how much he hated getting clean. He liked it for a week, and then he was right. bored for a week, and then he fucking hated it. You know, he liked it for a week. He was bored, and he fucking hated it. And he was like, Dave, can't I just smoke weed? He was was at a halfway house in Massachusetts, and they had just passed, like, legal weed or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he went to the the weed place to try to get Bud when he was in the halfway house, and he couldn't get it. And, um, you know, and then he turned up dead. You know, your friend Rob called and, and told us or told me. He called me, right? He didn't, and it was like, right. it, it was like, it's just. Well, it's, I know, <clears throat> I know for me, when Todd passed away, our daughter was less than a month old. So, you know, and we, and, and, and your daughter too, and we were in a, and we had moved into this beast of a ha- old house and we didn't know we didn't know what the hell we were doing in this house. Um, we had only been in there for under a month. So I didn't get to, I feel like I'm just grieving Todd now. I just, over the last couple weeks have been digging, like frantically digging out old photographs of him and calling friends and, and, and thinking about him all the time. And I think that's, what's so interesting about grieving is you never know when it's going to come on. When it's going to come on. And I also think when you lose someone to something as sudden and senseless as overdose, I, I feel like that impacts a grieving process too, you know, because it's so like hard to even wrap your brain around it. It's fucked up. I mean, and and one other thing, Dave and I had an interesting conversation a few days ago around Todd's death and Chris, but we were just talking about Todd at that moment. About I said how I actually feel like he was more like murdered than that he overdosed and died because of the 
fucking fentanyl. And, right. And, like, he always, you know... Todd definitely used drugs, but he wasn't on a... He didn't have a death wish. He wasn't, like... He loved to do his little bit of... You know, he probably... Weird thing, he probably though. got cuddled in bed and wanted to do some... Do a little bit of uh, heroin and probably watch, like, The Simpsons and, and curl up in his bed and feel good, and he had a problem. But no way in hell did he want to end his life. And Well, so, no, but that's the weird thing. That six months before, I took this long walk with him, and he said to me... Dave, I don't want to live anymore. He said, I, I hate my said, life. I know, but he I said that. But, we said, but people say that all the time. Right. I don't think he I, definitely. I don't see the connection. He to that. De- I'm, listen, I, he definitely didn't. He was in a bad way, but I still feel like Todd was stolen, and even though he was a bad addict. Um, and it doesn't matter. It still has the same end result. But I feel, it, it, to me, it makes it that much harder to wrap my brain around this. This fence. This whole. This, well, the, the, and I'm not and one. Chris too. Yeah, I'm not thing. one for for drug policy talk and, right. and all that kind of stuff. It's irrelevant, but it's but you know. But it's no, killing people left and right, people who who shouldn't be dying based on their on their use. What it makes me think about is you know the old school war on drugs. And the old school war on drugs said that, you know, Ronald Reagan and Nancy Reagan yeah. and in the 80s that that drugs were destroying uh, America and they were going to take the war to the drug dealers. That was mm-hmm. the war on drugs in the yeah, 80s. I agree with that. And now the war on drugs to me is the drugs killing the addicts. It's different than the government going after the drug dealers. It's like our friends are casualties of this war, but in a different way. And it is, you know, I mean, my friend, I have a friend who called, I mean, I'm not into this kind of talk because I don't know what the hell is going on, but my friend calls it uh, weaponized drugs, you know, that fentanyl coming into America is planned. Well, there was an article that they're calling it a weapon of mass destruction. Right. Uh, anyway, so or like that, Bob Forrest will say that big pharma, it, it was, you know, lots of people will will point fingers and say that this is sort of planned out. Right. Yeah, but the iron, you know, the, the reality is that Todd was using heroin, and heroin's pretty deep into on 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 the on the drug on the drug chain. Yeah, he was on heavy drugs. You he know, was that's on for heavy sure. drugs. And, and what we're really talking about is, um, and he didn't want to stop. And he didn't want to stop. And, and ultimately, when you're on heavy drugs and you don't stop, that's often the end result. Right. Even regardless of this horrible fentanyl. So we miss Todd and we love Todd. Yeah. Um, but I hate that we, like, I, it's, it stinks to always go down this road of, like, you know, talking about the drugs and the use and this and that, but because it takes away from him in a lot of ways. But by the end of things with Todd, that was just such a gigantic piece of... You know what I was thinking about, though, and I don't. I want to like just laugh and talk because he he was one of the most beautiful, fun people. Um, so I, it's like we always go this this road with him when we're talking about it. But there's just so much more to him than his stupid death. You know. I remember when when me and him when me and him were younger. I remember in college, four of us would get into a car with him. He, he, he named his car Juanita, yeah. and and four of us would get into Juanita, and he had just gotten one of these graphics hookahs, so we would load up the hookah in the middle of the car, and we'd each have a, a tube, and we would drive around Ithaca smoking out of this ridiculous hookah. I also remember, I don't we never talked about this, but uh, after you and I got together, you, me, and Todd 
got a bunch of coke and went to the Biederman's house. Do you remember that? Yes. And we sat there watching uh, the video a that we shot. No, made. yeah, the thing that we had shot. Yeah. Uh, at the place you worked. Yeah. And um, and, and I was just like, where are the pills? I need pills. I think I said I need pills. Like yeah, me and Todd thousand- yet yeah. again were like, we're having fun. You're being annoying. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I need pills. I need. I need to slow down. I was thinking about Todd memories on the train coming in here, and we used to we lived in this big hippie house in Oswego. Um, it's called um, Governor Street, and it became like the notorious drug hippie house. And um, Todd lived there with me and a bunch of other people. And I remember we would get nitrous tanks for our parties, and we would just be getting giant balloons and hanging around doing nitrous. It's kind of weird, but the day after our parties, we'd always have like a bit of a tank left. And Todd's favorite thing to do the next morning was for us to all sit together and just do huge nitrous balloons and watch The Simpsons. Yeah. And he, and he and I have so many memories of all of us just sitting around just doing nitrous watching Helmer. And it's also so funny because um, Todd's dad was a dentist, so he probably had like a lot of access yeah. to nitrous in his life. And then the other thing is that the first night that Todd and I used heroin together, we watched The Simpsons. And like nitrous... It's like, it's not, it's, it's in a Such way, a weird drug. in a way it's a little like dope in that you, you go down. I don't know. It's not, but, but it, it's like, it's like, I love nitrous. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, in fact, I remember the first time I went to your dent or the second time I went to your dentist. I know. You told us this story already. I was like, give me the nitrous, yeah. man. Um, you know, my fucking, I, I went to the dentist and my crown just came off. I didn't even tell you. It's nasty. I Let's remember. Get, okay. No, what are you going to say? That's not important. All right. So this is what I want to lead into Linda's social work segment on the benefits of tough love. No. What? I don't have an I don't have a uh, an opinion. Or the benefits versus the problems with tough. I think that the point of the segment <laughs> was that I often would you know say that. Nobody gave Todd tough love, that everybody enabled Todd, and I do not blame Todd's parents for, for Todd's life or death, but I know that, like, you know, they, he was enabled, you know, here and there by everybody. And, like, well, by being given an apartment rent free for years and years and years and years. So, always having a roof over his head where, you know, and some, on pa- his some parents would say, fuck you. Uh, of, Fuck you. And other parents would say, well, of course I want my, my child to have a roof over their head and be safe. Well, my dad so always said, my dad you know, always was like, there's no way I would let you have been in the street. And if I hadn't been, like, basically taken care of, he, they would have figured out a way to enable me. And they did enable me anyway. But the point is, you know, like... When I went to treatment in Florida, the first thing they did was they told my parents to not pay my rent, so I lost my cheap apartment here, and um, and 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 that was the beginning. Which makes I think that made a lot of sense because they're going to keep paying for you to have this awesome apartment in Manhattan, and you're you know a drug addict in Florida and rehab. So I don't know how tough love that is. I think that's just like yeah, common sense. Um, No, it was a three hundred dollar a month apartment in Manhattan. Anyway, the point is that um that you you put the message out Mm -hmm. to the dopey nation of tough love versus uh what's the other expression well wait we talked i just put a, a post out it's so amazing the the feedback it's like it's the best but i i, I just put a <clears throat> uh a question out there just to get listeners um take on 
or experiences with tough love versus enabling and sort of is there a gray area and what does that look like and um, do people have an opinion if one is more um, beneficial than the other, one is one more damaging. So it raised, again, so many different opinions and different takes. But one, just, just this one quote I want to read that a, actually a friend of mine sent me. It's from a woman named Glennon Doyle, who I'd never heard of, but I'm going to totally check her out. And she has a podcast um, and she has an addiction history. Um, anyway, so my friend sent me this quote and this is what the quote is. It says, and I don't necessarily agree with this, but anyway, it says, it's not our job nor our right to protect our children from pain. They are hardwired they are hardwired to not only survive pain, but to find their purpose in it. And I think that's really powerful. What does it mean to be hardwired to find your purpose in pain, though? What does that mean? They are hardwired to not only survive pain, but find their purpose in it. I don't, I don't understand what it means. Well, a lot of people would say that through pain um, or, or, or struggle, that's how we grow. And that's where... Well, we, I don't feel like I... It like, doesn't kill us, makes us stronger. Right. You know, all that kind of... I just yes. don't feel like, I mean, personally, no, I guess I do. I, I guess I do. I think when you get to the other side of pain, you can find your purpose in the pain. I, I believe that. So that's an interesting, yeah. you know, so that was, that was an interesting quote. Um, I do think, you know, personally, I don't know how I feel about that. I think I definitely would err more onto the side of, of the enabler. Um, but I also can understand where tough love comes from. Well, you gave me tough love. You, you broke up with me and you left and, and that was You're that. not my child. No. I think when it's your kid, it, right. I feel like you're hardwired as a parent to not do tough love. So I almost, I don't look down upon it, but I think it's probably really fucking hard to do tough love. Um, I think that there's, there's like, there's, I so think. Then wait, let me, let me say one. Okay. So then there was one other thing that I thought was interesting that kind of goes against that. And it was from an NPR article um, that talks about why empathy is more useful with the opiate epidemic, you know, with your kids or whatever, than tough love. Um, So in the woman's article, it ended with this. If a child had cancer, parents wouldn't disengage with them or be angry with them. So I do think it aligns our scientific understanding that addiction is a disease and not a moral failure. Yeah, but if a child had cancer, they're not going to lie and steal money to go get high. <laughs> right. If a child has cancer, they're not going to be like, I need your money so I can get and high and watch The Simpsons and, and like, you know, whatever <laughs> whatever the case may be. Having cancer is way different than being an addict. But that just goes to people saying that it's addiction a is a disease. I so just, that's where that becomes a tricky terminology. Well, that's why I don't like it. That's why I don't like right. I don't like that terminology because I think that people who have leukemia don't operate the same people so who have crack addiction. So you don't believe in the disease, the disease, disease model for addiction? Not, not particularly. Um, right. do, what, do, are there any good like comments from the Dopey Nation that you'd like to share? <laughs> Dave's getting, Dave's getting uh, uncomfortable with that, how serious this is getting. No, I'm not. I just, I don't particularly have, it's funny because I was but sitting people with... people are very interested in this stuff. I was sitting with Vicky at BBC yesterday and she was asking me about solutions for addiction and right. what people can do. Right. And I was like, nothing. I was like, there's nothing anyone can do. Fucking, you know, you're either going to get clean or you're not. You're going to either get get a a chance to be clean or you're not. And there's nothing any 
anyone can do except, you know, I can, if, if an addict comes up to me and asks me how I did it, I'll tell them, you know, and I can also tell addicts who are using that my life is a million times better sober. So you'll like what Brian Armstrong says. Okay. Because he writes about you. That's nice. So I'm sure you'll appreciate, Thanks, you'll, you'll appreciate, I appreciate that. since this is about you, we'll share this one. And I also like what Brian, what Brian wrote. He said, I think Dave captures it best when he talks about how there is no set formula for getting and staying clean and how he doesn't know why one person can get it while another person doing the exact same thing cannot. I still to this day, four years, have a tough time describing to someone what it was that got me to stay clean. I think the same goes for tough love and enabling. Too much for one person may be good. Well, luck could have well, it could have devastating consequences for someone else. And it could be either the enabling or too much love that does someone in. Right. Conversely, it could also save someone's life. So to me, this as with most, thing, most things in life is a gray area. Yeah. I, I think thought that was really well said. And I also like that Brian spelled gray, G-R-A-Y, and I spelled it G-R-E-Y. And I said... I think Brian misspelled it. I think no. gray is spelled G-R-E-Y. No, I think gray... G-R-A... So I said, Brian, some people use gray and others use gray. And I used the spelling and uh-huh. I said, both works for some but cause others to feel very uncomfortable. And then Brian wrote, how about gray, G-R-E-I-G-H? Listen, I think you're a notoriously <laughs> bad speller. And I, here I'm going to tell you, gray Brian, and gray... Brian was right, actually. Gray and gray are both accepted in the yes. English language. They refer to a color of a neutral tone. I guess gray is both. Gray, G-R-A-Y, is more popular in America. And G-R-E-Y is, remains supreme in the UK. So I wanted to be cool and use the UK version. I always spelled it G-R-E-Y, too. Anyway. Me, what else you got? But wasn't that a good uh, comment? Brian's, yeah, yeah, I love I like that he, he talked about There's what I so said. There's so many good nice. ones. Okay, and then and then okay, should I keep going or, or do you want to like move it on? Oh, I want another one. So there was and then okay, I already told this um, woman I was going to read hers because I liked it. Laura Bell wrote me a p a private message. She DM'd you, and she wrote, and I liked it. Um, and I kind of mentioned her earlier with. Vicky, but she said, hi, Linda, to your question regarding enabling and tough love, I absolutely do not think it is black and white. I've done it all, tough love, semi-tough love, plain old love, to ball-busting, leaving my son in jail, hoping something would work. None of it did. As a mother or father, it just isn't natural to turn away from your children, especially when they're at their lowest. Because of that, I think I made it very easy for my son to be a drug addict. He knew I wouldn't abandon him, even though I should have, at the very least, limited his access to me and our home. Even with that, I believe he got clean because he chose to get clean. I think he would have used drugs for the years that he did, no matter what I did, honestly. The things we went through because of his drug use led him to sobriety, but I don't believe that was why he chose it. He was tired, pure and simple. I really don't think anything I did, tough love or enabling behavior, tipped him over to sobriety. Who really knows, though? I would have done a million things different, but I can honestly say that I'm happy he made the choice the way he did, and not as a direct result of anything I did. I like that. Hope that makes sense and is helpful in some way. Kind regards, Laura. Stay strong. Dopey Nation. Nice. And I thought that was... Like brilliantly said, and I really, I really appreciated that. I want to play a voicemail. Did you listen to the voicemail I sent you? I didn't have. I was on the train. I didn't have reception. This is from Camilla. I want to say she's English, but no, she's Australian, and um, and and it's about this stuff, but it's a different take. So I'm going to play Camilla. Here we go. Hey, Dave. This is Cam calling again. Um, I was just listening to a back episode and you and Chris were talking about some, you were doing one of those Q&A things 
that you did earlier on and somebody had asked you about parenting and like what you tell your daughter and da 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 um, and I'm a single mother with two kids, a five-year-old and a 16-month-old and I've been mainly sober, like sober for the oh, bulk of my 16-month-old's life but my five-year-old um, her whole life I was using. Um, I'm now 104 days sober. Um, but when, so, and just in terms of like what kids understand, so like they absorb everything, obviously. Um, but I'm really starting to see now with her at five um, how much my behaviour has affected her. So just in terms of little things like cleanliness and routine and structure, she tends to parent me. Um, I know she doesn't trust me sometimes, so she's con she's quite vigilant with me, with the baby. Um, she'll often, when she go, goes to school, she's told me before, you know, now don't take your eye off, I don't want to say my baby's name, um, but don't take your eye off the baby. Um, but then she's also got a few little other like anxiety ticks and OCD ticks, which I wonder, you know, it's hard to tell. Um... But when I relapsed in January and I relapsed with alcohol um, and I was trying to, I suppose, conceal it from her anyway, she she immediately picked up on it and she was, oh, no, mum, you're drinking that bad juice again. And I was just like, oh, no. Um, anyway, I got sober again. Um, and now I go to a lot of meetings. And because I'm a single mum, it's hard to sometimes get to meetings. I can take my baby. He comes with me to a lot of meetings. Um, but so last night, Tuesday night for me here, um, is a meeting that I really like to go to and my beautiful father will often come and watch the kids and um, I was doing something with my daughter, some craft thing, and I said, look, I've really got to go, I've got to get to my meeting. And she just looked at me and she said, you know, Mum, meetings aren't really that important for kids. And it just made me laugh because... One, just her little attitude. But um, two, I just was like, they are so important for kids because I am able to be her mother because of them. Um, so I know this isn't a terribly dopey story, but it is dopey in the fact that dopiness and addiction, like when you have kids, it's a whole other ball game and I'm just so grateful that um, and I think you'd probably relate to this I'm so grateful that I'm taking my recovery so seriously now while my children are young I've got a dear friend who's 10 years older than me with two teenage kids and she's a chronic relapser um, and is you know often attempting suicide and um, her kids are really suffering for it now. Um, her daughter actually attempted suicide last week so um, and is self-harming a lot. Um, so yeah, it's really it's really I'm just really grateful that I can give myself my sober self, 
to my children and um yeah, one day I'll be able to tell. I'm definitely, yeah, I'm definitely going to tell my kids my story. So, anyway, rambling. Another recording from me. I doubt you'll ever play any of them because they're probably also boring. But I just find it actually quite helpful when I listen to the show um, to then respond to it. And maybe this just goes off into cyberspace somewhere. But um, it's quite therapeutic. So, love to all the dopey nations. Stay strong. Um, may God grant you the serenity. Peace out. All right, that's Cam from Australia. Wow. Pretty powerful voicemail. That was probably my favorite voicemail ever. Really? That yeah, was your favorite that voicemail was so ever? so good. It was I'm more, like very more, emotional. It was more, more than Buzz and Jeremy Turner <laughs> on the deck of the I, tugboat shooting dope. and I love that voicemail and... Her um, vulnerability and honesty, your daughters are so lucky to have you as a mom. Well, just keep up the, the sobriety, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, keep it up and like... But even, even that you're, you're... Camilla? Cam, Camilla, Cam. yeah. Even that, you know, you're that in tune to your daughter to see that it's having these little impacts on her. Um, and your daughter sounds pretty incredible. Um but that you know that you're even so so aware of your of your children and and what you need to do it's just that was very powerful and i'm i'm so glad you shared that and called in with that i've been voice I, now. i've been getting a bunch of uh notes from Camilla, I think that, uh, and Camilla is also the name of Gonzo's chicken on the Muppet Show. I don't okay. know if you're aware of that, I Camilla. Didn't know that. But um, so whenever I hear the name Camilla, all I can think about <laughs> is Gonzo's chicken on the Muppet Show. So I apologize for that. Uh, and if Camilla, if you don't know about this, it's, she goes, um, she's a lot of bok bok bok. I just love that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, she should share it with her children. You know. Right. Um, but I appreciate you. Um, Writing and, and yeah. getting so much out of the show, and I and I, you know, I I think um, I was using when our daughter was little, and I feel the same gratitude about it, and that leads us to the next thing. Uh, in turn, and I don't know how much you want to talk about this. We don't have to talk about it at all. I can okay. erase all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But last week, um, Linda and Nora and I were sitting at a table uh, outside our house, and um, I had grilled an amazing meal. Mm-hmm. And I think we had burgers and asparagus, if I remember correctly. And I, I'm really very, very good at grilling. Yes. You tell them. But no, it was a very good, it was a very delicious meal. And I, we were talking about Todd, I think. And Nora, well, she was starting to ask some questions. Nora said, um, "How did Todd die?" And and we had told her that Todd had died from drugs. Yeah. And then Nora said to me, uh, "Did you do drugs, Daddy?" And I said, "Yes." And it kind of this conversation that I've been totally trying to postpone. Well, didn't we kind of have? I mean, I remember we did have this conversation sort of months and months and months earlier not in the same way right but it was it was very like so it's interesting to show sort of like the evolution of a kid and how you know we touched on it months ago but um it was very quick it was very vague and whatever it was five months later now she's coming back with more clear direct questions 
um, which shows that she's been processing this. And paying attention. Paying attention, starting to make connections. So Dave and I are like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. And I fucking... And she's smart. She's incredibly smart, and she's... You know, it's it's funny with, with our kid, like, sometimes she cares and sometimes she doesn't. And when she decides she cares, it all, she's like a journalist on the case and she's putting <laughs> all the pieces together. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck, do we have to, does this, do I have to come out with it now? And, um, and I basically did. You know, and I. But what what's interesting though, because Dave kept like not being sure. Should we cut this short? Should we change the subject? We, but I think and this is, you know, we're we're learning this, you know, alongside the listeners. So this is kind of, I guess, interesting for people who have kids too, possibly going through this, or you're going to, is that she asked her questions. We answered them to the best of our ability, but when she was like sort of full, like her cup was full, she was done. She was done. And so, in a way, it kind of shows, you know, that a child will take in as much as they can, as much as their brain can absorb, and then they're like, okay, well, I'm going to go like draw cartoon characters. Bye. Well, I got really nervous. But, well, sorry to interrupt you, but Dave the next day was devastated at how the conversation went, where I actually felt like it went pretty well. So we talked about it, and then the next day, her and I had a long ride to go somewhere, and that's usually one of the best conversations pop up when there's just like this long aimless car ride and we sort of followed up a little bit on it and it wound up being a really good discussion just kind of around what addiction is and we were able to use her uncle who smokes cigarettes we're able to use sugar we're able to use um alcohol like we touched a little bit on everything but her main question continued to be why would daddy use drugs if he knew that he had me and he knew that that would mean that he wouldn't be with me. So that was the tricky piece, right, was to explain why. Um, she said that to you in the car? Yeah. What did she say exactly? Well, she said that to you, too, outside. She said, well, why, why would you choose to use drugs if it meant you wouldn't live with us? That was, like, the meat and potatoes of what she said. What did I say? You said that um, daddy... Daddy was with you. He just, you know, lived in a different place and was um, taking care of himself, but needed to be where he needed to be in order to do that. And, you, see, you know, you, you, see, you for me, the whole thing, I, my, I, my relationship with her is very, very like important to me. We have a very close relationship. Like I, you know, I love Nora, like you know, more than anything, and like the idea. The idea of um, of her questioning who I am or right. what I do is like the most painful thing to me that I can imagine. You know, I do think she was questioning you. Like, I do think that that did happen a little bit as yeah. far as she's and then this is you know let's be real as much as it can hurt your feelings I do think what was happening is she started to make the connection of why did I live with mommy in an apartment without daddy for so many years and and when we shared that daddy had an issue with drugs she felt you know and I think a lot of us do that when we have an addict spouse or an addict child or an addict you know what have you you feel betrayed you feel uh, you take it personally. 
And it's very easy to explain that to an adult, why it's not personal. This person is sick. And still, but though. When, and but still, a nine-year-old says, like, but daddy, why would you choose? You know, she looked at it as a choice, and we needed to weed through that because I think that was the biggest piece was explaining, this wasn't a choice, honey. And that daddy actually needed to get better. And, and to, just to piggyback on um, that voicemail, um, Dave goes to a meeting every Tuesday morning. It's the, Dave's um, day that he's home with us. And I get annoyed about his meeting because it's like a hectic time and it's nice when he's home with me. But I, you know, obviously I want him to go to that meeting. He, only, he does not go to enough and that's his one meeting. And Nora is now, you know, she asks about the meeting. What's the, what the heck is this meeting? What's the meeting? And I'll say to her now, and it's helpful in a way to say, the meeting is what's, is part of what helps daddy be super healthy and be a super great dad. It's crazy. The whole thing is crazy because... It's hard to wrap your brain around as a nine-year-old, I'm sure. It's also like it's totally natural for a family member to feel betrayed by somebody using, uh, choosing drugs over them. Like, And it, when it comes out of a, of a kid's a mouth... Kid. Well, it comes out of a kid's mouth. It's like an adult can act like they understand but not understand. The kid isn't even going to act like they understand. They're going to be like, but wait. Well, that's great, though. I, I know. Mean, that's the beauty of it. Right, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So that's what we're currently working on in the in our household we'll keep you posted as we try to navigate through this craziness now i want linda to read a voicemail that i just got um but before she does i want to read this weird note that i got because i think it's very dopey it says hey just wanted to tell you guys that I love your podcast. It keeps me positive and laughing at work. Most addiction podcasts are lame and boring, but yours rocks. Great job and keep it up. I am 40 and been a drunk and coke shooter for a long time. I've been clean for like 18 months, but most of that time was in prison. I am in the sobrietor and parole right now, so it's easy. And I'm just, oh, fuck, this is not the email I want to read, but I'm going to finish this. And I'm just trying to get myself prepared for staying clean while I'm free of paper. Love the stories. Addiction is a crazy wild ride, ain't it? I also have a bunch of crazy stories. If you ever need any, be cool and keep it up. Uh, and he wrote a review, which is nice. I like the sobrietor. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, fuck, I wanted to find this other thing. Oh, well. Um, now we have a chance there's been a I've been trying to get Linda on this show for since she was on the show before but mostly because I love the dumb fucking stories from our life and uh-huh. and um, and one of not the my stories, social work minute no you're so, everybody loves your social work segment <laughs> and, I, and I love that you I love it too because I love how much you love it and, and I'm kidding no I love I your it. social work too I do um fuck um, You're very disorganized. I know. I'm very disorganized. You're not impressing me. This is not making me want to come back on the show. You're not going to come back on the show <laughs> anyway. Um, I can't find what I was looking for. So I want Lynn. Lin, what? <laughs> I go. I couldn't find it. Sometimes, listen, when the, I, sh- the show, the glory moments of the show were moments like this, where one of us yelled at the other person because they didn't know what they were doing. Okay. And now you're above that. You need me to impress you with my org. Mm-hmm. Do you think yeah. I was going to impress you with my organization? Well, you have all these papers. You're like rifling through papers and you just, I thought you were going to have some kind of Vicky was there. here, right? I was desperate to get the show up. I was desperate to 
make it good and entertaining. Okay. And I was trying to get some emails printed out. So what's in that handful of papers there? Is there any, are you going to, is any of it useful? I, I thought that one You're was You're waving better. them around like. I thought that was better than I, had, I had intended on being. Okay. Um, hold on. Hold on. I want you to tell the story about my Christmas present. Yep. What was your Christmas present? A gift certificate to a certain place. Oh, the float place. Tell the story. Um, so I got Dave and I to go together uh, gift certificates to go float, which, um, how do you even explain it? It's, so it's, 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 a, it's a sensory it's deprivation a sensory de- tank deprivation place. Deprivation tank. Am I saying the right? Deprivation? Yeah. Um, so it's just like ridiculous amounts of salt water. So you you know, you just float and you go into this like tank and it's and there's no there's no light, it's pitch black and you and you float for an hour and a half, which is a long freaking time. And uh, so first you walk into your room and you have to shower and then you get in and um and you put earplugs in, so it's just super quiet. Well, I think I think when Linda got me the gift and she got herself one, she pictured us in like a, holding hands in a, room in a and double tank. Two, yeah, in a double tank. So we were next to each other, but you know, when you're in here with your earplugs in and you're in your own dark tank and whatever. So we go in, and they oh, what did they say? They so so Dave's like, well, what happens if the hour and a half is up and like I'm sleeping or I don't, you know, I expected to fall asleep, you know, or I'm out of it. So they said, well, first. We start playing, you know, sort of very soothing, like you know, cool, spa cool music jazz. is what they said, and it'll and usually that'll little that'll get you get you, get you going. And they said, but if not, if that doesn't work, then we start playing Bob Marley, get up, stand, get up, stand up, and we play it really loud, and then you know, every everybody gets up at that point, and, and that's you know, and that's it. And I was like, we're like, okay, whatever. So we go into our tanks and we shut the shut the door, and it's very. It's a very crazy experience. It I mean, is. it's, you're, you know, even if you, you don't really even fall asleep. I know for me, I didn't fall asleep, but I was, my mind was definitely going to some weird places because it's just pitch black and you're, you, it's like no gravity. You know, you feel like you're floating well, you're in, in space. You're in super, super dense salt water. Well, one thing is that they match the, um, the temperature of the water. To, it matches your body temperature. See, I found the water to be a little cold. I thought the water was a little cold too. So I, I wanted it to be warmer. I get in there. You, you, they show you the bathroom. Okay. It's like <laughs> they take you to the room and it's a bathroom and, and they show you the shower and the first thing they say, I'm going to tell you my side of this, this beginning of the story. They, okay. The first thing they say is these are the earplugs. You screw them into your ears. Yeah. You want to do that first. The next thing you need to know is this water is incredibly salty. Right, if you have any cuts. You don't want cuts and you also, once you get your hands in there. Don't you, touch your eyes. You don't want to touch your eyes or it will ruin the whole experience. Yeah. So I get in the tank and I'm like, and the tank is the secret door behind the shower and yeah. you're looking into this black pit and it looks like you're gonna fucking die it's small too it's, it's like t- the exact size of your body it's like a coffin yeah it's, it really is and, and so i get in there and i lie down and like they tell you to lie one way and there's this fucking space in the door and there's light shining in and it reminds me of the time i did ibogaine and my devin's typing on his computer and the lights keeping right. up and like this fucking light is making me crazy so i put my head on the inside well, it sounds like you're, you weren't following directions which is what ruined your experience so i i lay down mm-hmm. with my head on the inside and i realize i forgot to put the earplugs in right so that's so i get up 
and I put the earplugs in. And then you touched your eyes? And I touched right. my eyes. Like, oh, my eyes! It was an amazing experience when you follow the very simple directions. So then I, 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 and then also, like, I'm doing this catering for work, and I have this big call with Madison Square Garden right after the flow. You're, you're thinking too much. And all I could think about was pastrami and how far pastrami would stretch for the people at Madison. Like, how much money does it cost? I need this much for 600 people. How Were you much? seeing, like, yeah. floating yeah. in your... So, so I lie down there, and then I'm thinking about... I'm, I'm focusing on the breath, because I'm trying to do, like, meditation. Right. I'm focused... I'm praying, because you got to pray. It's a lot of pressure when you do the float, because you know it's, like, it's supposed to be this experience that almost makes it, like, too much pressure. And, and, and being in... Going to meetings, 12-step stuff, prayer and meditation are, right. like, the most important thing. And my prayer and meditation practice isn't great. Right. But here I am for an hour and a half... To long time in the float like what the fuck am I supposed to do besides try to pray and meditate so I'm focusing on my breath I'm praying then my body then pastrami then my breath then I'm you know and I'm just there but that's the beauty of the float I think that's why it's so profound is it it's there's nothing there besides you and your and your thoughts right so it's it's actually like a very brave act to do a float because you are forced to to just deal with it for an hour and a half and that's very scary but I also remember when you gave it to me I was like an hour and a half I was like <laughs> 20 minutes sounds ideal yeah it's a long so, time so, so we're in there and, and like my mind is strobing these are the things that my mind is strobing between prayer meditation my body pastrami when is this thing going to be over right. how long has it well, been that I'm in here are, my, are your eyes my eyes burning? are burning no I, I, as, soon as, <laughs> as soon as I had put the towel on my, my eyes my earplugs are yeah, not fully screwed in, screwed in. And, and like so I'm just going through this and, and all I can think is when is this going to be yeah. over and I have to make and this, I hate my present from Linda yeah this is like the fucking worst <laughs> present I've ever gotten and like and I'm just in there and like and I'm like and also I like psychedelic experiences and right. like crazy mystical experiences mm-hmm. like I used to take psychedelic drugs all the time people say you can have them during a float and so then so then tell tell us about your float experience I mean mine wasn't that mine wasn't that profound as far as like I didn't like trip out or whatever but what I enjoyed about it was just paying attention to how my to my thoughts I just kind of watched them and 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 watched them kind of pass through and then which ones were sort of and weird thoughts were coming up like ones I didn't expect and so I I had fun with that I followed the directions so I wasn't having issues with like my earplugs or my eyes so I enjoyed it, I probably wouldn't do it again. You definitely won't do it again. I, I didn't think it... I mean, I'm not... I don't know. I find hippie stuff to be... As much as I love the idea of it, it's just... It's, you like the music and the look. Yeah. it's. It, I like the idea of going and, floating. And you like the smell but, of patchouli. Yeah. But, so, so, after the hour and a half was up, I was awake the whole time, so my little cool jazz came on, and I was like, all right, I'm out of here. And so I get out, and I go into the, <laughs> I go into, like, the, the chill room. The chill like, lounge. There was a woman in there, like, drawing, like, they have a book where you can, like, draw your, like, the visions Well, the guy says, before we go in there, he goes, when you're done with your, and he's, like, very, like, <laughs> new agey, he goes, yeah. when you're done with your float, you can go in the chill room, right. and you can wear, you know, different colors, sunglasses. And you could draw. Draw your experience. And, like, they had all these different types of, like, waters. And so there was a woman in there. She had, like, barefoot and, like, Indian style. She was drawing. Drinking cucumber-infused water. And wearing the glasses. And so I was like, I got to get out of here. And um, so I'm waiting for I'm like, now I'm getting anxious. I'm like, should I be, like, drawing stuff? And so... 
10 minutes goes by and no Dave. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, why is he not? <laughs> I'm like, did they blast? Like, so I'm like, oh, they probably have to play the, the Bob Marley. So 20 minutes go by and no Dave. And I'm like, what the heck is, what's going on? So I go over to the guy and I'm like, excuse me, is that, is it, is that guy still in there? I thought maybe you like left that to go guy. get coffee. Is that man? I thought maybe you left to go is get coffee. Is that weird man that I came with that you were supposed to share a tank with still in there? I thought you had this crazy experience and just started like running down the street screaming. I didn't know where you were. So he said, um, oh no, he's, he's left. He's not in there. And I'm like, no, his, he's still in there. I, I haven't seen him. And he goes, no. He goes, the Bob Marley. And we heard the Bob. And I hear Get Up, Stand Up blasting. And I'm like, I think he's still in there. And he goes, no, there's no way. And I'm like, no, like, really? So I'm like, can you go look? So he opens the door. The music's playing. And he goes, he goes, oh, he's still in the tank. And I'm like, what do you mean he's still in the tank? He goes, oh, I guess he, he never came out. And he said, nobody ever sleeps through that. I didn't sleep either. That's the thing. I got put into this. Cr- so then he says he's going to push up, put on the lights. And he goes, he might get a little startled because you were in like this black tank. So now Bob Marley's blasting. He goes in, he puts on the lights, and then I think, what ha- I don't know. What the happened? lights come on. I'm like, what the freak- fuck? I was like, what happened to my spa music and my Bob Marley? And I came out screaming. Yeah, you were very, he was very angry. I'm like, you realize you've been there in there for over two hours. And I was like, I was like, <laughs> I was, I, and I didn't fall asleep. I planned on falling asleep. I don't asleep. know if he didn't fall asleep. No, I so didn't. what were you doing for that I was, half hour? I was in some crazy fucking trance. What was happening? I, I Pastrana. Mommy, prayer, meditation, so my awake. body. No, I was in a trance. Did you hear the Bob Marley? I didn't hear fucking anything. And I yelled at the guy, you didn't play anything. There's no Bob Marley. I know if I hear I Bob think Marley. you were asleep. I wasn't asleep. I was in a fucking crazy deprivation tank trance. Did you go draw it in the book? No, I, we, we ran out of it. We should have given you some. Uh, I had my Madison. Squ- I had my. Remember, I had my Madison Square Garden meeting on the phone. I'm like, six hundred people for pastrami yeah, costs this much so- money. And, but I came out of there like I was tripping, and that's the thing. Yeah, like, and then the, what's so what actually we and Dave were saying what's very cool about a float is sort of the after effects because in the moment it's like whatever, this is annoying. But like for the rest of the day, him and he and I, right, we were like very like zened out. Like it actually relaxes you later. Which, do you remember we said that? We said we actually felt really calm. I felt like I was tripping when I came out of that float. <laughs> I really, we were on the road, and I'm like, because you're not used to the light, and I was yeah. out for like two hours yeah, in that You thing. were in there for two, you shouldn't be in there for that long. I tried to tell this story by myself um, on some episode with, a, with, I think it was a big episode, like we had a big guest, <laughs> and I tried to tell this story myself, but I knew that I couldn't tell it right without yeah. you. So I, uh, I wound up taking it off, but people asked about it. So right. that's the float so story. story. Um, I don't recommend floating, but at the same time, I kind of do. Yeah, yeah. I feel both simultaneously. Um, I want to play a super dopey voicemail from this guy called Habitual Felon. Okay. Oh, yeah. Last episode, I had talked about stories, drug, you know, dopey stories where you get to like beat the dealer like where you rob the dealer you ever mm-hmm. do you have any stories where you remember ever getting over on a drug dealer no all right no. well this is james also known as habitual felon with his beat the dealer story what up dave what up dopey nation uh it's habitual felon uh just finished the um episode from this week 
and it was great. Really enjoyed it. Been enjoying them lately. Um, yeah, Dopey's kind of evolving, and um, I'm glad to have been a part of it so early on, and I'm excited to see what the future holds for Dopey, and I hope that, that um, you know, it's in the cards that you can do something something like this full-time because I think that you're good at it, you have a lot to say, and I enjoy your insights. So keep it up, Dave. You're killing it, man. And, um, yeah, so, so speaking about the episode... Um, you asked if we had any stories about ripping off dope dealers. And I have one that's not really action-packed, um, but it's a unique a unique way, I think, that we ended up robbing this dope dealer once. So um, my wife and I were still dating. We weren't married. Uh, we were both early, early trying to stop using, but still dabbling. Uh, and it was a Halloween. And so being addicts, you know, we have the typical um, disdain for law enforcement. You know, most of our interactions with them end up in us going to jail or getting charged with something. So we, you know, just just in general, addicts don't don't particularly care for law enforcement. That's my that's my view. Um, so for Halloween one year, she dressed up as a prisoner and um, she made a costume like a little a dress that was like black and white stripes, and she had like the uh, letterboard that that you hold up when you get your, your mugshot taken. And uh, I dressed up as a cop, a very um, realistic cop. So, I mean, military surplus pants and shirt buttoned down with badge, a badge, and um, like some some of those uh, fabric badges on the shoulders and corporal stripes. And I had a radio and a utility belt and handcuffs and um, pepper spray and... I even had an airsoft pistol that looked like a gun in, in the gun holster. So, I mean, and a mag light. I had a mag light. So, I was a pretty convincing cop. Here's here's the difference is that I had a prosthetic pig nose glued to my face and a, um, a pig tail. I forget what they call it. Squiggly, squirrely, whirly, spirally pig tail. Um, pinned to the back of my pants so I mean it was all fun everybody loved it it was hilarious um at the party but um like I said we were still we were trying not to use but I wasn't ready to stop using so I um I had a couple four locos and a bad attitude and um somehow convinced my wife um to to call her best dope dealer uh when we left the party at about midnight and let's rob him and I mean, it's not something she would have been on board with, but she was really, um, she was more interested in, in getting clean than I was. And so one of the things that she would kind of let me do would be to rip her dealers off. And that way, you know, she knows she was burning a contact and that'd be, you know, one more step between her and using. So, I mean, in some kind of weird way, this was, uh, <laughs> this for her, this was an attempt to, um, to reinforce or strengthen our recovery by eliminating another one of our contacts. But anyway, so she calls a guy. I'm in a cop uniform. She sets it up like she always does to meet him on the corner. She drops me off a block away. So I take my pig nose and my tail off before we get there. She pulls up, calls him, lets him know she's there, and he comes outside of his little trap house to meet her on the corner. So I see him walking to the car, so I start walking quietly. I'm just this big dude, and I completely look like a cop in every way. I even have a hat, 
Uh, I just look like a cop in uniform. I see them make the handoff. She hands him some money. Um, I think we got a bundle, but we only had like 12 or $13 cash on us. So that's what she ended up giving him. And the idea was I was going to spook him and, and um, he wouldn't even be able to count the money. So timing was very important. So I watched the, the body language of the two and I could tell that an exchange was made. And as soon as it was, I pulled my mag light out. Boom. Hit him with the beam. Hey, stop right there. As soon as I said that, dude, I mean, this guy took off. He was a ghost. He was just, it was a flash through a yard. He did not go back in the house. He ran through the backyard and he was just absolutely gone. And, you know, I kind of yelled behind him a little bit, stop, you know, but I, I didn't really care if he stopped or not. So then I came up to the, to the car where my, where my girlfriend at the time was and shined the light in and she was smiling and I got in and, um, we took off, you know, before he could come back or look around or whatever. So I thought that that was pretty unique. Um, icing on the cake. We bought a bundle. He handed her a bundle. All good. That was great. We used that the next morning. I woke up and went out to the car to get something and I find the remaining um, bags to a clip, which is 500 bags. So another four bundles, I'm sorry, 50 bags, another four bundles um, in the car that he dropped into her car whenever he thought that the police were onto him so he didn't get caught with him. So it was pretty extensive relapse. Um, we never saw the guy again. Nothing came of it, but I thought it was an interesting way to rob a dope dealer. So if you find that it's applicable or you want to put it on dopey, feel free. Uh, shout out to all of my family on Twitter. Stay strong, dopey nation. Dave, as I said, you're killing it. Um, continue doing it, man. Nothing but positive vibes and, um, you know, I hope, I hope the best for you. And I, I really, really, really hope that it becomes a, uh, I hope that dopey morphs into either opportunity that allows you to do something creative like this full time or just dopey itself carries you up out of that, uh, deli and, and you can be putting that mind of yours to some more creative pursuits and, um, I'll follow it, man. I'll follow it. I dig it. Dig what you're putting down. Everybody stay strong. If you're using, please be careful. Don't do it alone. And don't die. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Toodles for Chris. Under seven minutes. Suck my thumb. Habitual felon. I love that shit. Yeah. Really great voicemail. And, and it's funny. Last time Linda was on, it was a habitual felon. I know. Like, felon. I know his voice. It was a habitual felon voicemail. Yeah. So we got to go because uh, Linda's mom's with the baby and she's freaking out. <laughs> I had a lot more to do. But um, we got to go. Uh, Linda, it was it was an action-packed episode. Yeah. I, this is a pre- I mean, like, I hope the BBC does their piece. Mm-hmm. I was going to hold this episode off until the piece came out, but who cares? Yeah. So tomorrow, this episode is up. Um Lynn, Dad, come here. Lynn, what's your um, what's your guess for the thing? For the two millionth download, what's your guess? Like we are what currently, day? we are currently, just so you know, currently at this moment, exactly at this moment at six thirty-eight on Thursday. What's the date, Dad? It's on Thursday, June. What's the date, Dad? I don't know. 12th. 12th. How do you not know the date? On Thursday, June 12th, we are at... I don't know. Um, fuck, man. I don't know where we're at. Uh, it's 1960000 Get on a microphone. Woo! We're at what? 
I think it's one million nine hundred sixty-five thousand. We are at one million nine hundred. Maybe he's just staring at the dopey website in his bed. Nope. Um, we're approximately at one million nine hundred sixty-eight thousand downloads. Linda, what is your prediction for the two million mark? And know that if you hit it, you can win a free dopey just the head long or short sleeve shirt in whatever color you want. And you're okay. serious about that? I'm get on the microphone with Linda. They can't hear you if you just talk into space. I predict that we will hit the two million mark Saturday at six a.m. No. That's a random Excuse bullshit me. guess. I don't appreciate that response. It's bullshit. Your turn. Your turn. Well, it's going to be June nineteenth. June nineteenth, June eighteenth. What day is the week? Is that? That's next Tuesday or Wednesday. It will be Ooh. sometime between Tuesday and Wednesday in the middle of the night, and I will miss it. So, what's your prediction? What's your prediction, Dopey Nation? Send in an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. They can't hear you if you talk into the space. You better put the day and time or else he won't send it. Nobody has sent in a guess. Um, Do you think we cut Vicky out and my dad out too soon in this episode, Lynn? Yes. Okay. Dad, you think we... Do you think so? Yeah, he especially kicked me out. Well, that was for the best. Uh, Dopey Nation, um, please comment if you think I kicked them out too soon. I just didn't feel like it was really bringing the Dopey. You know, I figure the Dopey needs to be the way it's supposed to be. I love listening to Alan. I could listen to him all day. You should should answer his phone calls then. (laughs) Anyway... um, Everybody loves loves you, Dad, on the show except me, and um, and I thought Vicky was great. Yeah, and I think it's exciting that the piece coming out. When does out. the BBC stuff come out? We don't know. Well, she she said maybe the end of June or beginning of July. I think I'm okay. not sure. All right, so stay tuned. So English people, world people, check it out. Um, Leave a review so my dad has something to read uh, on iTunes. Uh, Write us on Twitter. Write us on Reddit. Write us on Instagram. Uh, Dopey Nation, stay strong and fucking toodles for Chris and Todd and everybody. Yeah. Eh, so no one take it personal. Who not talk about done? You think we come for done? All me have to do is send for the new gun. Anything test dead. Yeah. We just fly off those head. Down the mercy. Kill them. Duck a dill, dill, dill. Sell a boy get killed. Duck a dill, dill, dill. You better sign on the will. Duck a dill, dill, dill. A boy get killed. Duck a dill, dill, dill. Look up in the barrel. Them by him we have got cut. Them don't send for the oxo. Take out the tongue. Limb by limb we have got cut. Them don't send for the oxo. Take out them tongue. When them see me, 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 see the hit man a come. See me, 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 see me just can't done. See me, 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 see the hit man a come. See me, 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 see me just can't done. Them one tie, them one tie. Me come at them funeral, them things say, them things say. Them on the general, them one tie, them one tie. Me, 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 me
say, them things say. Them on the general, them one tie, them one tie. Look how my them general want them no say, them no say. I'm on the general, pick your cuff up. Are you very man? Turn us in, I and I me coming down at pick your cuff up. Are you very man? Turn us in, cut the rank and roll up this man, pick your cuff up. Are you very man? Turn us in, I and I me coming down at you see the gun shop. When that fire hit, at all the informer them, them be step back, you see the gun shop. When that fire hit, at tell them I and I roll up this man, you see the gun shop. When that fire hit, at you must be a big house who overdub cut with flowers. I do we have flowers. Top. No pretty candle hit chopping at that mind me send you down there Go cool and relax you think all the day in when you eat chopping at that Listen I and I pan the mic just a chat Them want tie, them want tie Kill them Look come at them funeral, them things say, them things say Kill them Them on the general, them want tie, them want tie Kill them Look come at them funeral, want them no say, them no say I want to take a walk around the world I wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good, so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be be so good, so bad, so bad, I want to be good, so bad, bad desire's all I ever had, and my shadow's getting smaller, smaller, and it's time to where I stand, shadow's getting smaller and smaller, and it's time to where I stand. Busted city far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds, because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be good so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had